Praise Lord. Last Wednesday, we took a little break. Hope you enjoyed it. It's the last one you'll get all year. <laughs> Don't be praying for that snow, please. See, you give them a taste, Corinne. Now they're going to be praying for storms every Wednesday night. I don't know. No, I hope not. I hope not. I hope not. Praise the Lord. Good to see everybody. You all well? Hallelujah. Praise God. So I get to our thing, but this kind of goes along with what I'm sharing today. I was praying because the Lord said to me, you go and you pray. First, he said, just go and pray in the Philippines. So that's what we're doing. And uh, the Ramoses are coming and the Henrys are coming, as you know. And then as I was praying, I don't know, a week or a week and a half ago, he said, uh, he said, there's certain things. I remember Dr. Dufresne said this, but I had forgotten he said it. And so when the Lord said it, it reminded me of what he said. But the Lord said, there's certain things that must be spoken out under the anointing to pray. But there's different things. It's a different anointing. The things have to be spoken out under the anointing to preach. And he said, there's certain things that need to be under the anointing to pray, but there's others that have to be spoken under the anointing to preach. Yes, and he said, so I want you to go and preach when you're there and not just go and pray. Although praying is the most important. It's the, it's the primary. And I said, but Lord, I'll, I'll do that if, if there's something that needs to be, you know, spoken forth. I said, but Lord, you do know they're not my people. Wherever we're going, they're not our people. And he said, it doesn't, matter the, it doesn't matter who the recipients are. There's certain things in the spirit that have to be said under that anointing to preach when you're there on that first trip. So he said, believe me for an open door. And I said, okay, I don't know anybody there. The Ramoses don't know anybody there. And, uh, you know, we had some of the Filipino folks in our church see if they had any connections or, or family members that were born again that maybe would go to a church that would invite us. And that, there was nothing there. Miracle, uh, not Miracle, Miss Mary Chris and, and Nigel Henry, they didn't have any connections over there for us. And I said, Lord, I don't have, I don't have any connections, but you said to go, you said to go and preach. But I don't, how do you go and preach? Maybe you mean on the street. Maybe I'll go and preach. And he said, no, I want a congregation with a pulpit. Amen. I said, but I don't have. And then he spoke to me. He said, did I not say to you? I'm trying to give you a little bit of a teaching tonight yeah, yeah. by example and precept and example. Yeah. He said, do you remember when, when you stood in, in Pastor Noel's foyer, in the foyer of his house? That was when we went to see Pastor Nancy for her birthday, to August 30th. And, then went, and, we, and we, were, we went there the last day just to say goodbye to them and to pray a little bit. And we were standing in his foyer and the Holy Ghost, we were just about to leave. And the Spirit of God fell on, on all four of us. Do you remember, honey? Right there in, in his foyer. And, uh, and, he began, and he began to weep and I began to, you know, groan. And Jenny, we all began to pray under that burden. You can't produce that. You can't manufacture that. No. It has to be the Holy Ghost or, or it's not. Do you understand? So when you know when it's that dramatic, it's not there and then it is there, you know God is in the room and he's trying to get you to pray something out. And as we were praying, Brother Greg, the, the Lord, he, he started to say, oh, oh, I see that, Lord, Pastor Noel, I see that. And he said, oh, the, uh, some of those angels that were assigned to Dr. Sumrall for the Philippines, they, they are assigned to you for you go under that, that same assignment. And he said, they're standing right in the room right here, angels that were under Dr. Sumrall's ministry that works only and specifically in the Philippines under his, under his ministry. And that was a supernatural thing. And he said, and he said, now that God says that they're working with you, make sure you use them. And, and of course, that's wonderful. And I was, you know, it's, you know, it's a holy moment, right? Wrote it down. But it's amazing how we forget. How is it that we forget things like this? How is it that everything in life is so all-consuming 
And I just, we go back to regular mundane living and we forget the holy things. That's why Hebrews 2 talks about, be very cautious that you don't let these things slip away. And so, and so I was kind of saying, Lord, I don't know how to do this. I, I don't know how to get an open door to preach. And he said, don't you remember what happened in that foyer? I said, yes. I realized what he was saying, Wayne. He said, there are angels. He didn't tell me how many. But he said, there are angels that are assigned just for the Philippines that used to work with Dr. Sumrall. And he said, they're standing beside you. Why don't you send them out? And they'll go cause that open door. So I said, angels, I didn't know how many, I still don't know how many there are. But I said, angels, I, I know there's plural. I said, because he said there's multiple of them standing in the foyer, but he didn't tell me how many. So I don't know. I'm not going to guess. I just said, angels that are assigned for that work, I, I release you to go. I charge you to go and cause that open door to come in Jesus' name. And, and I just do that by faith. I, I don't necessarily feel anything, but I just believe that those angels are working. Amen. Amen. And so there were some open doors that, that came just by natural research, just by, you know, calling, calling around. We, did, we, do, our, we do our part. Right. You, you pour the water and he turns it into wine. Yeah. You got to do sometimes your part. Fill the pots with water. Make a few calls. There's nothing wrong with that. But so I was trying, but, but I, there was nothing that was jumping in me. So we were just calling and, and we had quite a few churches, uh, wonderful churches, assemblies of God churches and other, other denominations that said, come preach at our church, come. And there was, there was a number of them that opened. And then I heard the Holy Ghost say, I want you to have the right door, not a door. I said, Lord, don't be fussy. Beggars can't be choosers, right? Just says, take the first one that opens. He says, but you're not a beggar. So you can be a chooser. That's an old mentality. Beggars can't be choosers. I'm not a beggar, so I can be a chooser. Do you understand? And so, I, but the, so I, those things weren't working. There was no unction. There was no unction. And, and, and a number of them opened, but I said, Lord, why don't I get an unction on any of them? Because they're in the right location. Some of them were in the right location. Some of them were a bit far away. But I said, Lord, you've got to show me because I want to be in the right place. And, and he just kept saying, that angel's working on it. That angel's working Just leave it alone. That angel's working on it. And then he said, stop making all your effort. Say, I'm learning something. We can try things. I'm trying to, I don't know if you, just, just listen, you'll learn something because I'm learning too. We can try to do things in the natural because we have to pour out the water and we have to do our part naturally. But here's the problem. When you just do things that aren't led by the spirit, they're not, they don't always bear fruit and often they're a waste of time. So what I was doing is just jumping in with both feet and both hands to make phone calls, but I wasn't led by the spirit in that. So all those open doors were great, but God said, no, 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 no. So what was the point of all those phone calls? What was the point of all those pastors saying yes? For us just to call back and say, I'm so sorry, it didn't work out at the end, we're too busy. It would have been better not even to do that, right? So I'm learning, even though there has to be some natural effort made, because angels are working, but it sometimes takes some natural effort on your part as well. You can't just, some, you can't always just, sometimes you can, but you can't always just sit there. But here's the key. When you do the natural effort, make sure the Spirit has prompted you in that natural effort. Then whatever you're doing is going to produce fruit. Do you understand? It's not just a matter of doing stuff. It's wait till He prompts you the natural thing to do and then do that thing. And even if it's only one, just do one. Because the angel's working with what you do and with what you say. And so finally, after those things, and I'm thinking, I felt a bit stupid, Jenny. I thought, well, Lord, I should be more skillful at this. Poor Miss Corinne and others are, you know, calling and they're trying to make connections. And every time they get something, it's no. 
Every time they get something, it's no. You know, that frustrates people after a while. Just say yes, pastor. I'm working hard on this. But that's just natural effort. Then there was a prompting. And the Lord said, call this woman. You don't know her. She's going to come to our church. Uh, but she couldn't because of the borders and everything. But Miss Linda Turner, precious lady, she's 76. Pastor Nancy loves her and supports her. She's a missionary. And Pastor Nancy supports her as a missionary. And she's gone to every single country on the planet except like three or four. She's preached in every single country in the world and has contacts in every single country in the world. And I met her in 19 at, at camp meeting, and I was just, you know, she was, she said, you know, I, Pastor Craig, you know, and I said, I, don't, I didn't mean to know her, she didn't know me, but we started talking, and she started telling me a little bit about Dr. Sumrall and how they used to work for Dr. Sumrall, and she's just a real sweet lady. And then, and then I was just, I was just, you know, just being sweet and kind, and then she said, the Lord just showed me something. I said, what, ma'am? She said, God just told me to tell you something, because God had said to me, invite her to the church. So I said, ma'am, I don't, I don't ever do that if I don't know how they preach. But when he says it, it doesn't really matter how they preach. So I said, ma'am, I need you to invite, invite you up to my church. And she says, okay, I'll, I'll come. And then a little bit, I think it was the next day, and she said, God spoke to me and told me I'm supposed to do something for you. And I said, what? And I'm thinking, what could she do for me, right? right. And she said, I, God told me that I'm to offer you something. She said, I have contacts on every, in every country except three or four on the entire planet. She said, the Lord told me to tell you anywhere you go to preach, any trip you ever do internationally, if you don't have an open door to preach, call me and I'll set a meeting up for you. I don't know if you understand what kind of a gift that is. Because you can go, but if you don't know anybody, and if they don't trust you, they won't have you. A good pastor won't have you if he doesn't trust you. Do you understand? And for her to say, I will give you letters of referral. Because I know you by the spirit. I don't know you in my mind, but I know Pastor Nancy trusts you, but I know you by the spirit. And I'll help you. I mean, that's an astonishing gift. So I actually kind of forgot about that. And then the Lord said to me, call Linda Turner. Now you see, now there's a natural action to be taken, but it's at the prompting of the spirit, which means it's going to bear fruit because the angel's working with that. The other was natural work, but there was no prompting of the spirit, so the angel can't work with that. Do you understand? So I called her up and I had a great talk with her and invited her back again, which she's going to come. And, and I said, ma'am, I don't normally like to take people up on their offers, but the Lord told me to, do you remember you offered me? She goes, of course I remember. I says, well, we're going to the Philippines. I told her why we're doing it. I said, God, I, I'm happy just to pray. I don't even, I don't even, even kind of want to preach. I just want to go and pray. But God said there was something that had to be spoken as under the preaching anointing. And so I need to go. And, and, and I told her a bit about the, the, the roots of this and Dr. Summer, because she worked for Dr. Summer, her husband did at least, and they were close with Dr. Summer, and he laid hands on her many times, and they loved Dr. Summer. So I was letting her know the, 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 the core of this is, is from that kind of lineage, you know? And, and, and she says, I, and she says I, I gave my little thing to her, and she says, Pastor Craig, I said, do you know anybody? She goes, not only do I know somebody, I, I know the right one. And I said, but just because she said that, Kim, doesn't mean that it's the right one. I have to know it's the right one. Lots of people say that they've got the right one and it's not the right one. But she's a spiritual woman, so I figured out maybe I'll listen to her, but I'm looking for that unction. And she said, there's a man by the name of Pastor Paul Chase. As soon as she said his name, my spirit went like that. Like, like, jumped up to my esophagus, fell back down. But I can't make that happen. I'm not trying to make that happen. That's my spirit letting me know that's the answer. Yes, sir. Now the, and I kind of expected it because he said, call Linda Turner. Why would God say to call her if she was going to give me the wrong answer? 
but I still wanted that extra layer of confidence. And, 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 and I've never heard of this man. And she said, I've known him for 42 years and he's got a 51 churches there and churches in Asia. And he's got a massive work. He's been there for over 40 years in the country. He's a dad. He loves dad Hagen. He loves Dr. Sumrall. He's, he was a Raymond grad. I mean, they're just telling me all that. And I just, and my, the Holy Ghost said, just that, that's it. I said, ma'am, I don't know how to ask you, but I need you to, he don't know me. I need you to kind of do your thing. This is scriptural. Paul said that he gave letters of referral. It's, it's, it's in the New Testament. He said, don't just let people among you that you don't know. He said, let them come with letters of referral or letters of reference. Paul would actually write letters and say, receive this minister. He will be safe. And you weren't allowed in the New Testament to receive ministers without somebody that you trusted giving them a referral because they could come in your pulpit and cause m mischief. And I said, if they trust you in 42 years of knowing you, would you give me a letter? And she said, I sure will. You know, but she's 76 and, you know, she's going through some, some health struggles and she's very busy. And I thought, well, hope, Lord, hope she remembers. And I just said, Lord, that angel's working. That angel's working. Because now I've done natural, natural things, but by the prompting. Plus, I've released that angel. Long story short, I had a long conversation with Pastor Paul today on the phone. He's the sweetest man in the whole world. And he just, he's just such a sweet man. And I told him what we're doing. And, and I said, sir, I know that you've got your work there. We're not trying to infringe upon you. We're not piggybacking. We're not touching your people, nothing like that. He goes, Pastor Greg, there are millions of people in the Philippines. I am not intimidated by another work coming to start a ministry. He said, start it and, and be blessed. Let it grow. He said, there's so many that need to be saved. And then I told him Dr. Sumra would feed people and, and, and God told me we need to sow into the people. Remember I said to you that we'd taken that offering to sow into the people. Remember I said, said and when I talk about offerings, I don't know if you remembered I said that. <laughs> Do you remember I said that? And at first I was just, just going to want to buy toys or something. But then this week in prayer, the Lord said, Dr. Sumra fed people. I want you to feed people. He said, so don't, you can buy a few toys here or there, but I want it like the Africa thing. I want you to buy food for the people. And I want you to bless the people when you go there. And whatever church I open, I want you to bless them. So I said that to Pastor Paul. I don't know, you know, because he's got a lot of churches. I said, I don't know where the best need is. And he goes, he goes, well, he said, I've been listening to what you've been saying. And the Holy Ghost prompted me to, to, to do this for you. He said, we've got, he said, uh, do, you, do you mind a bit of an adventure? Now that's a dangerous comment when somebody says that. That usually means something bad. And I said, well, yeah, I'm okay with adventure. I've, I've been to slums in India and different places and Africa. And he goes, he goes well, uh, it's the third nastiest place on the planet. There's one in Cambodia and there's one in some other country. I can't remember. But it's considered the third poorest place on earth, this place. And he said uh, they, they live on the garbage heap. They build their houses on the garbage heaps and they're poor and they're starving. And he said, and, and my son, his son, Herbie, one of his pastors named Herbie, he went down there and he started a church and God gave them a building supernaturally. And, 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 and most churches, he said, are 50, 60 people. He said, our church is over 2000 in that community. And he said, would you mind going there? He said, but it's a nasty place. He said, but the people are so hungry for God. And he said, you're talking about buying food. He said, that's what you want. You want to bless the people. Is that what you want to do? He said, those people desperately need food. 
And he said, we feed people every day. But he said, if you could come, he said, we'll take you to the market and we'll f- you just buy bags and bags of rice and, and oil and beans and all this stuff. And he said, go and preach. And then just, and, and I said, I want to bless your congregation, not just strangers. He goes, well, no, a lot of people in our congregation could use help. And he said, we're going to set it all up. And then he was talking. He said, I'm going to get this pastor to meet you. And I'm going to get this one. And he said, we're going to take you over there. And he just started talking, 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 talking. And, and, just, and I just felt the Holy Ghost smiling. Say, so you see, yeah. that, angel, that angel's at work yes. causing the right door. Not just a door, but the right door. People of the same like heart and mind. People that love Dad Hagen and love Dr. Sumrall. People that are not fly-by-night weirdos. They've been there for 42 years. They've established a massive apostolic work in that country. They're not competitive or jealous. They want to help. And they're going to take us to an... Remember, it's an adventure, Jenny. Just remember that when you smell it. It's an adventure. Just keep saying, this is an adventure. But we're going to help people. We're going to sow food into these people. We're going to preach to them. And I'm going to proclaim whatever the stuff is that God wants me to proclaim. And the rest of the time we're going to be spending in prayer. I'm saying that story not just as an update, but to let you know how angels can work with you when things cannot happen in the natural. There's no way for things to happen. Follow the promptings of the Spirit as to what you do, but release those angels because that angel causes favor. We don't know why they want to do things, but they just want to do things for you. They don't know why they feel compelled to help you, but they feel compelled to help you. They don't know why they trust you because they don't know you. But something in them says, trust that person. Angels can assist and, and, and influence in that capacity. Praise God. And, and, and he's such a precious man. And so I've invited him to come up to our church, and he's going to come up here to our church and preach to us. And, and he's, he's in the States right now, so I won't see him when I'm there, but his staff and everybody is going to meet us and, and help us. And he said, anything you need, we're here to help you. Well, what, 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 a, what, a, what an opportunity. What a precious man. And I said, come to Canada, sir. As soon as you can, if you can come before you go back in April, come. We want to meet you. We want the congregation to meet you. We want you to talk to us about that nation, about what God's doing in that nation, because God's connected our heart there. And, uh, and, and, and anyway, God said, send him an offering. Bless him. So he said, don't take anything on this trip. Just give. Don't take anything from the people. Give, give, sow, give, sow, give, sow. That's all you do is give and sow. This is your first trip, and it's a seed trip. And so that's what we're doing. We're sowing in prayer. We're sowing in finances. We're sowing in preaching. We're sowing serving them. We're sowing. Praise God. We're going to go out into that, into that garbage heap and we're going to tell people about Jesus and get that church to grow. We're going to go and help grow his church because we're sowing seed for our church. And he even said, where, where, where are they going to plant their new, your new church? I said, well, I don't know. It's probably in this particular area that we said we're looking in this area, Santa Rosa area. And he goes, well, I have a church right there. He said, Pastor Tom, I'm going to get them to meet you because, you know, when that couple come, you know, they're going to probably be lonely and they're going to miss home. And it'd be so nice if they had a family around them and other, other ministers that are of like mind that they can eat with and they can pray with. He said, we're just here to help the kingdom. I just... But see, that's, that's, that's the favor of God. But angels are helping and assisting. I'm, I'm trying to put a little bit of emphasis on how angels help us. Because they can help you. They can help you with business deals. They can help you with things that you're doing, that things, contracts and, and people you need to meet and, and things that you need to grow with your business and stuff for your children. They can help if you'll learn to put them to work and listen to the promptings of the Spirit. It's not just a matter of send out the angels and then disobey the Holy Ghost. 
you've got to work with both sides of this coin. You've got to listen to the promptings and do things that God say, but also release those angels because they are able to help you. To have a quick look, please, if you would, please. Uh, in the, the Lord just said, I want you to talk about angels. I know, we've, I know this is the third part. I guess last week was a break from, with the snow. And then the week before was more like a, a praise service, a gratitude service for, for God getting me out of that legal, uh, that legal problem back at, at the beginning of last, or I guess it was 2020, almost two years ago. Wow, it feels longer than that. But, and so we, we t- but that was angels, and I gave you scriptures God gave me to stand on about angels. And then the, and then the week before that, which was part one, I just kind of de- gave just a little basic teaching, and I wanted to move on because there's a lots of stuff to, to talk and teach. But the Lord said, I want you to just hold on for a second. You're always rushing, Craig, and I am. I'm always rushing. I'm always like this, this, there's got to be, you know, he said, just slow down a little bit. He said, there's some stuff that I want you to talk to the people about angels that will help them. And actually some of the stuff, I don't think, I I don't know if I've ever shared it, what I'm going to share tonight, but he said, I want you to specifically focus on how angels work with finances. Now angels work with a lot of things, really anything, but there is something about finances that is, and then it's scriptural and it's not just stories. I want to show you scripturally. Because the scripture is what we have to go with, not just Dr. Dufresne's experience or this minister's experience. If you can see it in the word, yeah, you with me? Yeah. But have a look quickly before I turn to that scripture, if you would, to the book of Revelations chapter 1 and verse 20. The mystery of the seven stars which thou sawest in my right hand and the seven golden candlesticks. The seven stars are the angels of the seven churches and the seven candlesticks which thou sawest are the seven churches. Now chapter 2, if you go over to chapter 2. And it says, remember, therefore, verse five, from whence thou art fallen, repent and do the first works or else I will come unto thee quickly and will remove thy candlestick out of its place, except thou repent. Now, this is Dr. Dufresne would teach us the candlesticks represent the churches. And then there's angels that are assigned to go with those churches. Now, some theologians believe because the word angels is translated angelos or messenger or pastor. So some theologians believe that it's just the pastor to go with the church because that's logical. You have a church, you have a pastor. But if it was a pastor only, then God would have said pastor. He was very particular to say the word angel. Now, angel could also be translated pastor, but, but it's, the context theologically of this scripture is not about pastors, it's about angels. And so the, the, Dr. Dufresne taught, and I believe that what he's saying is that it actually is for both. Because if you look at when God establishes a church, what does God need? The angel can't do what the pastor can do because angels can't preach the gospel. So there has to be a pastor that pastors that church who is an angelos or a messenger, a messenger to bring good news. So there has to be a pastor. We know that's Ephesians 4. That's doctrine in the New Testament. But there's also in this one particularly it's referring to there has to also there's also an angel. When God calls and plants and establishes, sets a candlestick in the realm of the spirit. Anybody can start a church. That doesn't mean that it's set in the spirit realm. God has to set a candlestick. He has to breathe life into it. He has to say, I have ordained this. And when he does that, he puts a pastor in and he assigns an angel to that work. And what the pastor can do, the angel can't. And what the angel can do, the pastor can't. Because the pastor can't go at the speed of light and influence people's minds and cause favor and cause help and bring money and cause things to happen. Human beings can't do that. Not the way angels can. But, But angels can't preach and lay hands on the sick and cast out devils and pastors can so I'm saying there is scripture that proves, and he says, now, if you don't pay attention and if you, do, if you do the wrong thing, just like I set your church, 
I can remove your church. People don't realize that. That's why Dr. Refrain would say, you see a lot of churches that are around and they started in the spirit. They started by God authoring them. But then the pastor didn't do the right thing or the board got control of the whole thing or they became deacon possessed, which is worse than demon possessed. And, 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 they, and, they, didn't, and they didn't repent. Now, what does God do? In the spirit realm, God says, you're no more. That angel leaves, that anointing on that church leaves. Now you've just got a group of people that are still meeting in a building, praising Jesus and, and preaching the gospel, but there's no spiritual power behind it. And that's why you'll see many churches, they never grow. Their vision is never going forward. They become relics. They become religious. And they're just kind of like stuck in the mud. But they'll stubbornly meet for over a hundred years and not go anywhere or do anything for the kingdom because that candlestick was removed. <laughs> and then sometimes generation after generation and you'll get four or five generations later, they're still meeting dead. And it wasn't even that pastor that did anything wrong. It was five generations before when the candlestick was removed. But God never, but God wanted, it was supposed to dry up, but people can keep things going just by sheer willpower. Are you listening to me? But then there's something different when God puts a candlestick or he sets a place in the spirit for a church. But that church has to live right. The pastor specifically has to live right. And the people have to live right. And if the people don't, and if they don't obey, God is, is not a guarantee just because God starts a church, it's going to be there forever. The building might be there forever, but God's anointing on it may not be there forever. You don't do right, he says, you better, you better keep, you know, polish your brass and pull your socks up. You better, do, you better watch your P's and Q's is my translation. Because if you don't listen and you don't repent, you don't live right, I'm going to come and remove that place from the spirit that I gave you and all you're going to be is a shell. Yeah. Are you with me? Yes, Dr. Dr. Sumrall called it the seat of authority. He would say pastors are given a seat of authority. And, and he said, be very careful when you remove yourself from that seat of authority because you may never get, God may never give it back to you. Do you understand? When, Do when, when, when Dad's friend was going to leave Torrance, California and go down to uh, Oklahoma, he met with Dr. Summerall. Dr. Summerall said, are you sure God told you to do that? He said, I believe he did. He said, well, be careful because when you leave, you won't get that seat back. In the spirit, there's a place for you in Torrance. If you walk away to go and run off in another direction and it's not God. You can't just trottle on back and pick up that place where you left off because it's not just about a job and a resume and a board who hires you. It's about things in the spirit that, that you have to respect. Now, in that case, God told him to leave. So God was removing him from that place to give him another place in, in Tulsa. And then the new pastor that came, God set him in that place. Or Dr. Summer would say, having a seat of authority. That's why people got to be very careful because it's not just pastors. Are you listening to me? It applies to pastors, but it applies to Christians. When you're, I don't think people realize the role you have. When you're in a local church and God's called you and you're planted and you're submitted and you're running with the vision, you actually hold a place of authority in the realm of the spirit in that place. That's why you can do damage to that church or you can bring aid because you actually hold sway in that spiritual realm because you are a part of it. You don't hold as much as the pastor, but you do, you do actually have a place. You hold a place in the spirit. You occupy a place. Now, this is what people don't understand. When they walk away from that, Greg, 
out of rebellion or offense or, or a, I don't like this or I don't like that or I don't, the pastor shouldn't have preached that and they walk away from that place that God gave them and then they try to come back, they don't always get that place back. You with me? There's some people, God, we may let them back if God says it's okay for them to return, but they could just be sitting there as faithful members but not have that place. It's very important that you understand how the realm of the Spirit works and that you keep a humble and soft and submissive heart because God don't, you don't mess with these things. When God puts you in a place, you treat that place right. And you don't withstand and you don't think you're bigger than yourself. In fact, a little while ago, somebody said something to me. They withstood me about something uh, right to my face in the congregation. And, and, and they rebuked me. And they said, so I won't get into it, but they said some things how they disagreed with me on something. And I, and I, and I ended that conversation and I went to pray because I was saying, Lord, you know, I'm, I'm going to forgive that person. And, and, and God, got, God was very ornery, if I could put it that way, Jenny. He doesn't normally talk to me this way. But he said to me, that person thinks they have a voice in this church that I have not given them. And they have withstood you. And because they've done that, there's something, that, that there's problems going to happen in their life because I don't take that lightly. They, they, are, they are touching something they're not authored to touch. You better be careful what you say, especially to me. I'm not saying that arrogantly. You may not agree with something, but you better be careful because God hears your words. And there's a, there's a, you can violate divine order very easily if you try to put your opinion and try to get, get aggressive with somebody that stands in a place that you don't stand. Are you with me? Because when you do that, you're risking the place in the spirit that God gave you. And, and God doesn't take that stuff lightly. That's why with Pastor Nancy, it doesn't really matter what she does. I'm not talking about sin things. She doesn't sin. I'm talking about she might have her opinions on this, her opinions on that, her opinions on how she does things in the ministry. We may not always see eye to eye and everything, but I'm very careful what I say to her. Because I can't violate that divine order. I understand her role. And I understand my role under her. And I'm very cautious. Do you understand? So sometimes these things have to be said because people think that they can just do what they want in the local church and they can't. That's why Paul said there has to be a certain order in the local church. He said behave right in the local church. It's not just talking about not beating each other up in the parking lot. There's a spiritual behavior that has to be right in the local church. I don't know why I'm on that because that's not my notes tonight. But, but I'm saying just when, when you're in a place, God gives you a place in the spirit. There is an authority you have in the spirit to a measure. There's things that you can help turn, but there's also problems that you can cause. And if God can say, I'll take the place away from a pastor, he can certainly take it away from a congregation member. See, sometimes I don't really talk about these things because it's deep. And most people can't handle the depth of it. But there was a situation years ago that happened and the Lord said to me, he said, I've taken that person out of their place because, because they're offended with you. And, and I said, well, what do I do? He said, don't say anything, just leave it. But they're not getting that place back. And I said, well, what do I do? He said, don't, don't say anything. But eventually that person, because they're trying now to uh, have the influence they had before, but, but, it, but it wasn't authored by God. And then eventually they just get frustrated and leave because something's not clicking right. They feel something's not clicking. And then they'll blame me and say, well, you're the reason something's not clicking, but it's actually them because of their attitude and their rebellion and pride because they, they try to step beyond their bounds in that place of the spirit. And God said enough. I don't even say enough half the time. God says it. And then, and then there's a frustration that they feel. And then when they can't fix that, they just get frustrated and leave. 
Really what they should have done is left when they lost that place. But, they don't, but people don't understand these things, so then they try, to, they try to make it up. I'm not saying there's not mercy, and I'm not saying that God doesn't let people have a second chance. I'm not saying that. I don't know why I'm talking about this tonight, Jenny. This is not even in my notes. But I just felt the Holy Ghost prompt me and say, you better, these are serious things. You don't want to get on God's, God is very merciful and he's very loving, but you, you better know your place. You, 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 you can step and get on another side of things that you don't want to get on. So guard your heart. Guard your heart about where God has placed you in the spirit and guard that place and protect that relationship with the pastor. But more than that, protect that place that God's given you in the spirit because you can accomplish things and you'll be rewarded in heaven for what you do. When you pray, like when we prayed yesterday morning and the people come, there was a strong anointing yesterday morning. My God, I wish all of you were here. There was a strong anointing and words of prophecy and a different kind of, almost like a roar kind of to pray. It was unusual and it was powerful. And I heard the Holy Ghost at the very end. I didn't say, yeah, yeah, again. I say, yeah, thus say, I don't always say that, but I heard the Lord say, and I just kind of summarized it to the people, but I heard him say, everybody in this building right now, there were rewards in heaven because they were here this morning. Because there was something that was accomplished in the spirit realm and they helped you accomplish that by prayer. And they don't realize because they just do it because they love me. But there's actually rewards because they did something in that realm for my kingdom today. And when they get to heaven, there's going to be rewards handed out for that particular service. And that happens a lot in different services. Sometimes the anointing is stronger and the rewards are bigger. But I'm just saying you hold a place. When you come, this is not just, this is not just Qantas Club. We are a spiritual organism. And we are operating spiritually. And God has a place for us. And if we'll just stay humble and not go against those that God has set in our life, that we can continue. I'm not talking if the pastor gets into sin. I'm not talking about things like, you know, obviously then you shouldn't follow because, you know, you follow me as I follow Christ. You don't follow me as I follow my flesh. Do you understand? I don't know why, but can I get off that trail? Because that, I don't know who that's for, but that's for somebody. And maybe it's a warning. Maybe somebody watching. Just, just be careful. Be careful what you say in private because God hears it. Be careful what you say in public because God hears it. Be careful what you say at your dinner table because God hears it. And it's not that that I'm so important because I'm not. And I know that it's not about that. It's about God will protect the place of the spirit that I hold. And I'm imperfect. And everybody is imperfect. You find a perfect pastor, you find a perfect church and I'll pay you a million dollars because that doesn't exist. We are imperfect people that stand in offices and you're imperfect and you have a place in the spirit even though you're imperfect. So you you can't just say, well, I have a right to say because he made a mistake. You better be careful because there's still things that you don't cross in that realm. Got to understand this stuff. Okay. There's a a reverence for that place. So he says, I can put you in it. I can take you out of it. Praise God. But back to the fun message now. The, the, the angels are working with that place. There's angels working with us in this place of the spirit because where he puts that church, there's an angel. Now, I know you're not a church, you're a person, but there's angels assigned to you, just like there's angels assigned to this church. And those angels, and this is what he said, I want you to put a little bit more emphasis on, those angels will help you specifically and a lot of different things, protection, lots of things, but there's something about their, their ability to help you with finances. And I really think we need, to, we need to get more revelation on this because a lot of people I don't think don't really understand how this works. And so I'd like you to please, if you would be so kind, um, I'd like you to have a look with me in, in the book of Psalm 103 and verse 21. 
Normally we look at verse 20. I got off into that little bit of a tangent there, but I'm going to get back to my notes and we'll get as far as we can and then we'll pick it up maybe next time. Because I know we often talk about angels and money, but if you don't have a scripture, actually more than one scripture, you can't take one scripture out of context. If you don't have at least two or three witnesses in the New Testament, not just the old, you really can't stand on that fully the way maybe you'd like to. Now, we know Genesis 24, 40, what does it say? The angel of the Lord go before you and prosper you in the way. Now, that wasn't about money, was it? It was about the, being at the right place at the right time and making that, that connection for Isaac's wife. So prospering is not always just money, is it? It can be favor. It can be at the right place at the right time. Part of being prospered is being in the right place at the right time. Amen. And just getting that promotion or getting that transfer or getting that deal that you otherwise would not have gotten. And angels can arrange things so that people meet you at the right time and you meet them at the right time. And so that's part of prospering. So when we think prosper, we think money, but it's more than money. It's also divine connections and it's favor with those divine connections. So that's an Old Testament verse. You know, and there's, there's many Old Testament, but I, I just want you to look at Psalm 103 and verse 21 specifically because I want you to see something and then we're going to go to the book of Hebrews. So Ch- Psalms, are you there? Psalms 100, what did I say? 103 and verse 20. Let's start with 20. And it says, uh, Bless the Lord, ye his angels, that excel in strength, that do his commandments, hearkening unto the voice of his word. And we've talked that many times to you. They don't listen to you. They listen to the word. But they'll listen to you speaking the word, but if only if you're speaking the word. That's why you can't tell them to make your coffee and do your laundry. They don't listen to that nonsense. They don't. They, they listen to the word. Okay? Now, have a look at this. Bless ye the Lord, all ye his hosts. Still talking about angels. Ye ministers. You see that word? Yeah. Of his that do his pleasure. Remember, it says that he takes pleasure in the prosperity of his servants. That's another way we know that they're without prosperity. Because if they do what pleases him and he's pleased when I prosper, they're helping me prosper. But I want you to know that, that that word here, very particularly that word ministers. Okay, now that word ministers, if you study it in the original language, it means to attend as an attendant or to wait upon somebody. To wait upon. What does this mean if I'm waiting upon you, Blair? I'm kind of standing here and I'm, I'm just, I'm, a, I'm around. Actually, he's a PA, a pastoral aide, and that's what he does. He waits on me. If I'm at the back, Pastor, do you need me to get somebody? Is there an appointment? Uh, Are you cold? Do you need a jacket? Do you need a drink of water? He's he's around, and he's just there. He's present, and he's attending. Do you realize that that's what an angel is? That word minister means to attend or to wait on. Now, I'm giving you Old Testament first because I want you to see it's in both covenants. Now, would you turn to the book of Hebrews, and I want you to see something that I'm sure most of you don't know, and the reason I know you don't know it is because I didn't know it, and most ministers don't know it, because you've got to really study this. This took me hours upon hours upon hours of study in the original language, and not just that, but by reading commentaries. And then I actually started reading history books about this time in Greek history to understand what was going on in that culture. And there's some fascinating stuff on how it relates to angels. But if it's not on the surface, you have to dig a little bit. Some jewels, you got to dig a little bit. Do you understand? Most of us, we just scrape the the jewels off the surface of the, the, you know, when we read this. But if you dig a little bit, you'll get more. And so it says in verse, in chapter 1 and verse 14, well, let's look at 13. But to which of the angels he said at any time, sit at my right hand until I make thine enemies thy foots. In other words, I didn't tell the angels I'm going to make their enemies their footstools. He's talking to Jesus. Jesus is the only one he said that to. 
But did you notice the subject is angels? To which of the angels said he at any time? Are they not, or who? The angels. Are they not all ministering spirits? Send forth to minister for them who shall be heirs of salvation. Now that scripture, we've read it many times, but there's a lot in it that people don't realize. Now it says they are called ministering spirits sent forth to minister. But the word ministering and the word minister are completely different words in the original language. They've got, they've got similar things to do with each other, but they're not the same word at all. You'd think because English had said the same word, it's going to be the same word, but it's not the same word. The ministering, the word ministering spirits is their job description. Like I'm a doctor. That's a job description. But to minister... It's, the, it's him putting his hand with the scalpel to do the surgery. Yeah. Ministering spirits is a job description, if you study it properly. And the word minister, which is a different Greek word, is actually what they do in that job description. So can I start inverted, please, and, and start with the, what they do, the word minister first. Do you know what that word minister means in the Greek? It means attendant. Remember what I just read you from the Hebrew? It's the same thing. It means attendant, and it also means servant. Meaning that there's a menial. They're not menial. They're massive, and they're powerful, and they're huge. But their attitude is one of menial. They submit. It's very important you understand that. You're not stronger than them, but because of who you are, they'll listen to you. You understand? It means to serve a servant. Now, there's, there's, there's really a, a word, and then there's a, a root word, and then there's a third root word, and, and it go, goes deeper and deeper. And the first word, diakonia, and it means, now the, I don't know, I had to try to find a pronunciation. hope I'm pronouncing this right, because it's a strange word. And this is a primary job. Ministering spirits sent forth to minister. Remember, the minister, what the word minister is, is not just their job description macro, it's the microcosm of what they actually do. Okay. Now that word, the primary meaning of this word minister, other than attendant or servant, is elimosinary. That's an English word. Elimosinary. What the word elimosinary means, if you, if you look up that, it's an old English word, what it means is where alms or money is distributed to those in need. So the Greek picture is an elimosinary is in the cathedrals in medieval times when the poor would come and they would have the Latin service, Lena Padre Fili Spiritu Sancti, Amen. And they're all they're singing and they're singing and they're singing. Right? I did pretty good, didn't I? I've been practicing in the mirror I, I, for, for your entertainment. Anyway, and so, but do you notice if you study medieval times, they were the poor weren't allowed in. The peasants weren't, the serfs weren't allowed in. They had to stay outside. Only the richer people were there in the actual cathedral. But they were so poor, they would go to a certain area, and it was called the East, how did I say it? E, it's actually a place. They would call it the Elimosinary. And after the service, they would go to this place called the Elimosinary. And the, the ministers or the servants of the ministers, whoever they were, would come and they would give money or bread or food or coins and they would start distributing it to those in need yeah. in the elimosinary. That means a place of distribution of finances to those in need. 
Now, the primary responsibility of an angel under the word minister, they are ministering spirits sent forth to elimosinary. I'm telling you. What does that mean? Angels are connected with getting things that you're in need. Now, you may not be a peasant and poor and starving, but that's not the point. It's a Greek picture. What he's saying is just as those ministers distributed finances to those in need, so angels distribute finances to those in need. That's a primary definition of the word minister in this. Then it goes to a deeper level, which is a a, a root word, which is diakonos, and it means to run an errand as an attendant or to wait on tables as a waiter in a restaurant. So the first category in terms of what do angels do for you? The microcosm, not just their general job description, but what do they actually do? Number one, and I gave you three S's, so it's easy for you to remember. Number one, they help bring a supply. Because there's a a direct financial context here that they distribute finances and aid to those in need. Well, I don't know about you, but I'm in need and I can use some of their help. That don't work if you don't send them out. But if you'll send them out, part of their job description is S, supply. Another part of their job description is S, to serve. Because it means to wait on tables as an attendant or servant, a menial worker. They're not menial, but in other words, they're around you to help you. If you go to a restaurant, and I did once, Jenny, remember, that we took them to that fancy restaurant, Dr. DeFrayne and Pastor Nancy, downtown Toronto. And, you know, they come, they had tuxedos with white gloves and everything. And they, you know, in those expensive restaurants, they do it a little differently than in Montana's, okay? You know, and, 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 and everything is, you know, got all the silverware. I don't know how many forks you've got and how many spoons. And, and then when you've done that thing, they don't just bring the next. The guy comes and he's got this little brush thingy, hand, and he's cleaning the table. And, he's, and then when the candle gets just a little bit, they replace the can. I mean, everything is top, top notch. Right, right, right. And there, I mean, there's a team of them. You don't get one like at Montana's who's serving nine tables. There is three guys just assigned to our table. I mean, they're just there and, and they stand back and they watch you. And I didn't really like that part because it made me feel a bit weird. But they would stand in the shadows like back further so you didn't really see them. But, but they're just there and they're just, and anything, then they're right there. If you drop something on the floor, pick it up. Then we go. That was great. I mean, it costs a lot of money, but you're paying for their time. And doctor, I was sitting beside him, and he nudged me, and he goes, because they were doing this, and he goes, that's what angels do, son. That's what angels do. They're constantly aware. They're constantly watching. That you're their only interest. They don't have other jobs. It's only you. They're watching you the whole time. They're looking, what do they need? And they're desperate for you to release them. They serve like waiters at a table. And the third S, it is another Greek word, a root word, that's dioko. And it means to pursue, to persecute, to follow hard after, and to cause enemies to flee. The third S is safety. Now, there's many things that angels do, but in this one word, they are ministering spirits sent forth to minister I'm trying to help you remember so when you go home, you can remember this. They are there to minister. And as Andy, they're not looking at Timothy. They're looking at you. They're not thinking about Pastor Craig or Blair or anything else. They're looking at you. They are only interested in you because they're assigned to you. They're not got four tables. They're just assigned to you. So use them because they're there for you. They're there to help you. And they are there to help distribute finances to those in need. Supply. They are there to wait upon you as a waiter at a table for whatever you need. 
That is service. And they are there to pursue hard after your enemies and cause them to flee. That is safety. Three things that they do right here from the New Testament and that word minister. Hope you're, hope, hope you're I'm helping because it makes me excited. It makes me excited. And a little while ago, I, I, I was praying and the Lord said to me, you know, son, when you wake up, you look into your heart. I'm aware of God. Well, I am. I don't know if you are, but I'm aware of God. I'm aware that he's inside me. And I wake up and I say, oh, Lord, I love you. And, you know, I just say, I'm not religious. I may say different things, but, but I'm aware of him. I'm, I'm aware the Holy Ghost is in me. And he said, you know how you are so aware of that and you wake up aware of me inside of you? I said, yes. He said, you need to wake up, be more aware of what's outside of you. You're so caught, and he's not, not, he's not rebuking me. You're so aware of me inside of you, but you don't forget that there's a big fellow standing right beside your bed. And he only looks at you. His only thought in life is you. His only attention is you. His entire purpose while you're alive is you. He's not looking at anything else but you. His only goal, his only existence, the purpose of why he's here is to help you. And yet you get up and you're very aware of me and, and I want you to be aware of me, but you go about your day and he's following you and he's waiting. And you're trying to do everything on your own. Now you gotta be, you don't ask him to do silly things, but you have a right to speak the word and he will hearken to the voice of the word that you speak so that he can help you distribute finances, serve you and protect you. If you will speak. So then somebody who, do, you know, people, there's lots of people, apparently, I thought everybody loved me, but apparently some people don't. Hard to believe. But years ago, somebody said, you shouldn't be talking about all that angel nonsense because Jesus didn't do that. Jesus. You know, when they're attacking you, they always got a vibrato to their voice. Jesus didn't do that. He didn't command angels. So I started studying that. And I found out they were right. I was shocked. I thought, I'm going to have to change my doctrine. <laughs> Jesus never sent out angels. In fact, Jesus said, I'll ask my father. Right. And he'll give unto me 12 legions at any time. But Jesus never sent them out. And I looked at the Old Testament. They didn't send them out. And I started getting concerned. But I know that this verse... And there's another one I won't have time to get to tonight, but I'll get to it next Wednesday. But there's another verse in the book of James that is also showing a very strong connection of angels to finances. And it was on that verse that Jesus predicated what he said to Dad Hagen in that little book, How God Taught Me About Finances. Claim it, tell the devil to take his hands of it, release the angels to cause it to come and praise me. It's predicated on the verse in James, which is not actually even listed in that book. But, but, but there is a part in James that backs that book up 100% as New Testament doctrine of angels and finances in the New Testament. Yeah. So I know that verse, and I know this verse, and I know there's other verses, and I'm thinking, well, Lord, I know this in the New Testament, but, but they're right. Jesus didn't do this. The, the prophets of the Old Testament didn't do this. And I started getting a bit nervous. Are we teaching something wrong? And then the Lord started giving me revelation. And he said, son, uh, are you, who's better? You or John the Baptist? I said, well, John the Baptist, he's a prophet. He said, no, I said, that the least in the kingdom of God is greater than John the Baptist, who's the greatest in the Old Testament. Ooh, Remember that? Yeah. He said, now how did Jesus operate? You've heard Dad Hagen say it many times if you listen to him. Jesus did not operate as the Son of God. He divested himself of his heavenly powers. Meaning he divested, he took off his heavenly powers and he came humbly 
through a virgin in the form of a man as a servant, and he operated in the New Testament in his three and a half years of ministry as a prophet under the old covenant anointed by the Spirit. He was fully man, and he died as a man. He couldn't have died as God because God can't die. He died as a man. He was lost, and he had to be born again. That's why he's the first born again man from the dead. There is a man, Kenneth Copeland always says, in the Trinity. The man, Jesus Christ, because he was a man. Do you understand? Now, he's put back on his heavenly powers, but he's still in the form of a man with holes in his hands. He operated as a prophet in the Old Testament. He did not operate, like you understand, you freak out, but he did not operate like you do. He operated as an Old Testament prophet. And so the Lord said to me, now watch what Old Testament theology is about angels. In the Old Testament, because you're not the church, you don't have authority and you're not seated in heavenly places, you don't have a right to talk to angels. Which is why even Jesus Christ in his ministry never once sent them forth because he did not have a right. He was operating as a prophet of the old covenant. But he said, I'm going and I'm going to give you keys and what you say will happen. And if you bind it, it will be bound and if you loose it will be loosed because this is the way you enter in. The keys of the kingdom have been given unto you. And then he says in Ephesians, now I've set you as my own body. You're not just some scum. You're my body. I'm the head. You're the body. You're part of God. Old Testament people weren't part of God. He didn't even live in them. But he has lived in me and created my spirit. Oh, Moses didn't have a recreated spirit. I do. I am part of God's body and I am seated in heavenly places with Christ. And he says, I'm your elder brother. We're related. As a believer of the church, Sandy. I have rights and covenant privileges because of the blood of Jesus that Jesus himself didn't have because his blood hadn't been shed and the church hadn't been birthed until he rose. I have rights to speak to angels and they will obey my words if my words are God's words. Jesus couldn't even do this. I know the religious mind stumbles because you think Jesus can do anything, but you've got to understand what the Bible teaches. He operated at a certain time and at a certain restrictions. Jesus couldn't pray in tongues because those two gifts are of the New Testament. He had seven gifts. He didn't have nine. But in the New Testament age, the church age, we have been granted divine authority. I am not like an Old Testament saint. I'm better. You know why? Because the least in the body of Christ is greater than the greatest prophet, John the Baptist, of the covenant of the old times. The less, the least one is greater than the greatest one. Why? Because God lives in the least and God didn't live in the greatest. The least is seated, the greatest wasn't seated. The least has been given keys, the greatest didn't have any keys. And when I say things to angels, they listen. Why? Not because I think I'm something, but because I'm part of God's body. I sit in heavenly places with him. I've been given keys and authority in his name and by his blood to speak. And those angels respect that. But I still can't say, get me Starbucks. That doesn't work that way because that's not in the word. They will listen to my words as long as it's scripture. But I have a right to say, angels, my God shall supply all my needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Go and cause my needs to be supplied. And because I've spoken the word of God, I am the body of God. And I've spoken it in the name of Jesus by his authority of his blood. 
they look at me as though God himself has spoken, even though they know I'm not God, but I'm a part of God. And they will honor my word, Jenny, as if they honored God the Father's word because I am part of his covenant. And no Old Testament saint can claim that, which is why you'll never find them talking to angels in the Old Testament, but you do in the New. And this is why this Hebrews 1 is very powerful because God is trying to tell us these angels are sent to supply. They are sent to serve. They are sent to protect. But you've got to do something about it. You interpret scripture with scripture. You've got to speak the word that they can hearken to. My God, this is helpful to me. Woo, my God, and I (laughs) gotta go. Gotta go, gotta go. But I'll take five more minutes because because I feel like it. (laughs) And then I'm gonna let you go. Because I know it's time, but I gotta finish. Now, remember, ministering spirits. That's job is good. That's macrocosm. Sent forth to minister is a different Greek word. That's a microcosm. That's the that's the action. I gave you three things. But now watch this. Both Jenny, both words, different Greek words, both talk about finances. And the first thing they talk about is finances, which I think is amazing to me because this is scripture. I have, I have scriptural basis to say, angels, you need to help me with my finances because you're here to minister to me. So this word here, uh, ministering spirits, it's the Greek word liturgikos. There's another word, the root word liturgio and liturgios. And there's other little liturgy things and liturgy things there and liturgy things there. There's quite a few words. But they've all got liturg in them. Where, what do you think this word liturg means? It's where you get the word liturgy. Ever heard of a liturgy? That's like a Catholic religious term. What is a liturgy? A liturgy is a church service. If technically, according to the Catholics, we're having liturgy. We're having a public service that anybody in the public can attend. And we're talking about God. That's the liturgy. But this word here, it means, this Greek word, the Torgid Coast, it means to perform public service as a servant. It's a public servant, specifically a functionary, a, a functionary serving in the temple or in the gospel. Temple being Old Testament, gospel being New Testament. And the, and the root word means to work and to obey instructions. So angels as ministering spirits are there to work. They're not there to just to worship God. They're there to work. And they obey instructions. Why? Because you have to tell them what to do. Do you understand? They're not menial, but they have a role that is submissive. They will obey the word of God that you speak because you're in the body of Christ. Now, this, this is an interesting thing. This is where we get the word liturgic or liturgy, which means a public church service. It's literally the form in which public religious worship is conducted. A celebration, a sacrament, or a service. It's all part of liturgy or liturgic. Liturgy, you ever heard of liturgical practices? This is, this is not religious practices, ceremonial practices. But this word, ministering spirits, the word, the, the definition of what an angel's job description is connected with liturgical practices. Meaning a servant, a public service. They provide a public service. Okay, you just stay with me one more second. Now, this means these angels perform the service, one, to the church corporately, public church, the, the, the liturgical service, but also, now this is, this is very interesting, in, 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 the, in the Greek, it says, but also they provide public service, in other words, corporately, that's not a human, that's a corporate, like the, the, the church as a whole, but to individuals whose lives are in the service of the gospel. 
In other words, the life of believers. They are ministering spirits. They are there to serve. As they're there to serve the liturgical service or the church as a whole, corporately. Remember the candlestick and the angel? But they're also there to serve individuals whose lives are in the service of the church. And he's not talking about staff members. He's talking about believers who have given their life in service to the Lord. They are there to serve you. As it's, it's extremely clear in Scripture. And then here, here's what's very interesting. The root word of all of these other words is the word liturgia. I don't know if I'm saying that right. Liturgia, something like that. Anyway, I, I got it spelled, but I don't know how to pronounce it. And you know what this, 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 uh, this word is connected. That's why I was studying history. This word here is connected in ancient Greece to a situation where wealthy Greek citizens would come I mean, very wealthy, would come with money and they would present beyond their taxes. They would present gifts to the state for the welfare of of the people out of their wealth. And the government would reward them with titles and honor and, and badges and, you know, like fanfare. But super wealthy people would come. This is the Greek picture. I'm trying to show you something. They would come and say, we're going to give out of our abundance to the state to help the people. And they would be honored as heroes and all this kind of stuff. And that's where that word liturgia comes from, is these Greeks doing that. But that word is connected to the word angels. What is, what is this trying to say? It, it, it takes a while to study it and put pieces together. But what God is trying to say, what, what the scripture is trying to show, if you study this out into the, di- the different levels of it, is if I could simplify it, because it is a complicated study, but if I could simplify it, just as wealthy people would bring their money or supply to the state for the benefit of the people, angels bring a supply to the church, finances to the church for the benefit of believers. It uses a parallel between what the wealthy Greeks would do in their carnal society and what angels do in the church society. And just as a public minister comes and stands and ministers publicly, that's the same word, angels minister. They serve, they, they, they attend, they wait. They are there to help, but there's a connection. It's not just, yes, it's all these things, but it's specifically, they come with, remember, wealthy Greeks. Well, angels don't, aren't wealthy individually, but they have the wealth of God at their disposal. They, 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 they can influence situations to get aid. So as wealthy people would bring aid to the individual and to the state. So it's a parallel picture. Angels come with that supply, that wealth to aid, not the state, but the church. That's the corporation, the corporation and the individual within the church. Angels are here to help money and supply for believers and for churches. And that is where you get the word, this word that I can't pronounce. That's where you get that because there is a parallel in ancient times of what the wealthy would do. And God's using that parallel and saying, just as they did that to help the state and the people, angels do that to help the church and the believers. And that's why that word ministering spirits, if you study it through, they're not just here to serve. They're there to serve, to help the needs of the church corporately and the needs of the individual, but specifically with finances. It's amazing. People say that angels have nothing to do with money. They they haven't studied the Bible. 
In both words, Jenny, ministering spirits, there's a connection to finances. Who are sent forth to minister, there's a connection to finances. In one verse, two different Greek words, both talking about angels, both connected their ministry to financial realm. It is unmistakable. It is undeniable. Angels are there and amongst a lot of things. They'll serve you. They'll protect you. But they are there to help supply needs. You say, well, where do they get the money from? That's not your problem. They have great ability to influence situations, to influence people to come. I'm not saying they're going to show up with a stack of bills for you. I'm not saying that. But I'm saying that they can influence situations to cause what you need that it will get into your hands. And that those two Taco Bell angels with the dented armor that Dr. Dufresne was believing for that Taco Bell building. And he didn't have the money. And those angels came to help him. Do you remember? And then that man came and gave hundreds of thousands of dollars because they showed up in his room. But those angels were there to specifically help with his finances. But not just him. It wasn't his individual finances. It was the church's finances because the ministry needed to buy that building. And they were there sent by God to cause that, the, those demons that were trying to hold it to push those demons back. That's why their de- armor was dented. And they were there to influence people. See, they didn't bring bills and say, here, Dr. Dufresne. They influenced a man. They actually showed up in his room and appeared to him in person and freaked him out. And said, take, go to this person. God is sending you to go and, and he needs this much money. And he came with $300,000 in his tracksuit, right, right. a purple tracksuit, into the building. And he said, these two guys were in my bedroom. And Dr. Jane had seen those angels, so he knows what he's talking about. Yeah, those are the Taco Bell angels. Well, those angels told me to come and give you this check. See, the angel didn't show up with the check. The angel influenced a person to bring the check. But that angel was about the financial business of the ministry. And they're also about the financial business of you personally. So stop being so broke and poor. You've got angels there to help you. And all they want to do, they look at you all day long. All their job description is to help you, Blair. That's all they think about is you. They're not assigned to me. They're not assigned to him. They're assigned to you. And all you need to do is say, angels, I release you. I'm a body. I'm a member of the body. I have been seated. I have rights. I'm a covenant man. I say the word to you in the name of Jesus. Now go and cause this to come to pass for me. And then you just keep praising. You don't worry about how they're going to do it. But they're, they're off now influencing people, influencing situations, influencing outcomes so that the finances that you need come to you. They're out influencing so the finances that this corporation needs, promise of life, church, what we need in our weekly budget comes. And I got scripture and verse to prove it. They are there to help me financially. Hallelujah. They are, they are the wealthy ones, so to speak. They're the wealthy Greeks coming to help the state and the individual. They're come to help me as a believer and they're come to help my church. Hallelujah. I'm telling you, they are, they are distributing alms to those in need. You need something? Say, angels, I need a little bit of help this month on this. I don't know how you're going to do it. That's not my problem how you're going to do it. But I release you in Jesus' name. Go forth. I need this bill paid. I need new towers on my car. I don't have the $1,000. But I claim it in Jesus' name. Devil, take your hands off that money. Angels, go now and cause that money to come. I don't know how. I don't know where. And then just keep your eyes open. Because your boss may come and say, you know what? I need you to work an action. I'm not doing that. i got to go to the movies. <laughs> but listen to the Holy Ghost. Because the Holy Ghost may prompt you. That's where the promptings come in. The Holy Ghost may prompt you. Say, I want you to do that. Because you wouldn't have had that shift of angel had to influence that boss to give you that shift. And now you're doing tri- triple time or quadruple time. And in a few hours, you got that money and it's done. Or somebody could come up with a Pentecostal handshake. Yeah. 
and give it to you. Or a relative could call. Or the government could say, we made a mistake on your taxes, which they seem to make all the time. And we owe you more money. I'm telling you, angels have a ways to do things that you don't even know how they're going to do it. But but be led by the promptings because not all of it you're going to sit back in the hammock and somebody's going to throw a a stack of bills in your lap. Sometimes there's other things you've got to do. But the angel's working to get you that money. Just like the angel was working to open that door for me to preach. Hallelujah. Are you with me tonight? I hope you're encouraged. You're not alone. When you wake up tomorrow morning, God is inside you. And there's a large fellow standing beside you that you can't see. But he is very real. And he is only thinking of you, Wayne. He's only thinking of you, Greg. He's only thinking of you, Rob. His only job description on this planet is you, Hannah. And he's just waiting for the command of faith. Just send me so I can help you. Here you are warring and biting your nails about money. I've got a hundred ways to get this to you. Just release me. Go in Jesus' name. My God shall supply all my needs. He's out working. When you're driving in the snow, he's there to protect you. He's there to protect you, to drive things off you, to encamp about you and deliver you. When you're in that plane, he's there under the wings whether you see him or not. When the drunk driver is coming, like with me, the Holy Ghost said, pay attention. And that angel helped me because I almost hit the tree trying to get out of the way of that driver. But that angel was with me to protect me. There's no, there's no reason for me to have failure and vandalism and head-on collisions and muggings and death and premature problems. I've got angelic help, Jenny. I can walk through this minefield of life untouched if I will release them and believe in their ministry. They are ministering spirits, public servants, send forth to supply, to serve, and to protect you. Father, in Jesus' name. There's more, but that's enough for tonight. Let these precious ones and the ones watching realize and remember and never let them forget it, not not another day in their life, that they are never alone. They may feel alone. They may feel like people have failed them and left them and husbands and wives and family members and friends have abandoned them and they may feel very alone, but Jesus, you are inside them by the Holy Ghost and there are angels at their ready, at their right hand, every moment of every day waiting for the command of faith. And they are not facing this life by themselves. There is divine assistance for the believer. Let us use these mighty beings. Let us speak as New Testament saints. They will hearken to the voice of the word on the blood covenanted man's lips. And they will do it. And we don't have to struggle like we have in the past because they're here to help us. And all they're interested in is me. All they're interested in is them. They're not, they're not spread thin with all these other job descriptions. All they're focusing is us. Let us use them. Life will be safer. Life will be sweeter. Life will be easier. Things will happen faster because we've got angelic help. In Jesus' precious name, I pray. And everybody said, amen and amen.